Almost Famous with John Shea. Featuring local and independent musicians from the South Shore, Boston, and New England. On 95.9 WATD. Welcome to the almost famous Tiny Stage Hour 95.9 WATD. Introducing you to independent bands and musicians. From across New England every Tuesday, 8 till 10, brought to you by Tiny and Sons Glass. I'm John Shea. If you're a local band or musician with original music you'd like to hear on the radio, please reach out. Find all the contact information on the almost famous page at 959WATD.com. Give me a follow tonight on Facebook and Instagram at Almost Famous Radio. And subscribe to the podcast. Find that by searching Almost Famous WATD on your favorite podcast app or at almostfamousradio.com. Tonight, I'm being joined on the WATD Tiny Stage by Molly O'Leary. How you doing, Molly? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me again. For those who missed the first time you were here, give yourself an introduction. My name is Molly O'Leary from New Bedford, Massachusetts. I was here once before when my record... Holding Space was coming out, and now I'm back again for my sophomore album, Marigold. Fantastic. You've got a guest in studio, too. Who's joining you? I've got my guitarist, John Fernandes, with me, also from New Bedford, Massachusetts, who has been along with me for this whole ride from the beginning and is very helpful with the music and creativity, inspiration, all those things. Fantastic. John, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Molly, share with us your online information. Where can you be found? My website is mollyolearymusic.com, and then on all the social media things, it's at mollyolearymusic. And you just mentioned this, but a new album coming out in just a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep, February 23rd is when it'll be out online, and then the release show at Askew in Providence will be February 24th. Okay, give us the details on the release show. So it's at Askew in Providence, and it'll be from 7 to 10. There are two openers. The first opener is Rowan and Beautifully Human. Second opener is Justin Arena. And then me, John, and the full band will be up after that to play the whole album and maybe a couple other tunes. Amazing. So tickets, are they available at the door online? Where's the best place to get those? I've been suggesting people get them online just in case it happens to sell out, which would be a lovely surprise. (laughs) Uh, And I definitely want my crew to be able to get in. So highly recommend buying them online, which is on the ISKU website and on my social media. So we're fairly into 2024. 2023 is behind us. So give us a recap on the last year for you and an update on what's happened to you so far in 2024. Yeah, in 2023... It was such a great year. John and I went down to Nashville in February of 2023, so not long after that year started, and we recorded the whole album in like eight or nine days. That was with producer Will Hogue, who is wonderful, and he's an artist himself. Look him up if you don't know him. There was such an all-star cast of musicians recording that album, which maybe we can get into either now or later. Then also in 2023, John and I did a tour And in 2024, so far, I've been in the ground running with lots of promoting for the album, releasing singles, and looking forward to the release. Excellent. I know there's two singles out so far. We're going to talk about everything involved with the album, but let's start off with some live music. What are we starting off the night with? Yeah, there's three singles out so far, actually. Oh, great. One more coming. And this first song is the most recent single, which came out a couple weeks ago, called Ticking of a Clock. Let's hear it. We have Molly O'Leary on the WHD Tiny Stage, 95.9 WATD. Whenever you're ready, it's all yours. Cool. One, two, three, four. 
machine is humming the same stim as me vehicle is screeching panic is set free my therapist is resting got a ucbt i'm having trouble breathing music to anxiety What a great way to start the night. Molly O'Leary and John Fernandez on the WATD Tiny Stage. So, Molly, talk about that song. I was digging kind of the, uh, the harmonic emulation of uh, the clock sound there. Take us back as to how that song happened. Yeah, that part, a few uh, handful of people have commented on that concept. And it did sort of happen by accident, which is one of my favorite things when it, things like that happen musically by accident. And it's fun to reflect on. And who knows what was happening subconsciously. But yeah, that song is 
largely about anxiety, which is something I struggle with often and go to therapy for and am a therapist myself for. So I do talk about anxiety often and think about it and think about tools for it. And specifically, that song was inspired when I was in the Boston airport on my way to open up a show for Will in Indiana, and I was having an allergic reaction that affected my vocal cords and my arms, and so I was having a bit of a panic attack. But I recovered, and the show went on, and I got a song out of it, so I think it was worth it. Take us back to your childhood. What was playing in your house, and how did it affect the musician that you would eventually become? Yeah, my whole family. So, like, I grew up with my parents and my two older brothers, and everyone was so into music in very different ways. So I had a variety of music inspiring me. And then the brother that's in the middle, Tom O'Leary, is a wonderful drummer. And I was always so inspired by him. And I thought he was so cool because he was into like punk music, like Green Day. And I really wanted to be him. And I initially tried drums, but I was like... I remember crying one day over the blisters on my hands and he was like, not that he was discouraging me from drums, but he was like, you know, you could also try like guitar and singing. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And that really stuck. I took lessons with Rebecca Curia for a very long time and she's still a very big inspiration to me. So that's how the music got rolling. So you're sitting behind the drum kit for the very first time. You're you're picking up the guitar to try some chords for the very first time. At what point did you realize the music is in your blood? So I started guitar lessons with Rebecca at 11 at the Symphony Music Shop in Dartmouth. And even before that, I was always singing. I mean, my mom tells me stories about how when, like, the Smashing Pumpkins would come on as a baby, I would just, like, be dancing along and, like, already trying to sing. So I think that part has always felt very in my blood. And then with Rebecca, she was always, like pushing me and encouraging me and then going to see her play was a huge inspiration and it felt like something I could really do. Like I got a grasp of probably the E minor chord first and then whatever was easiest after that. And then after lessons, my mom would take me to go see her to play like literally the same day right after at um, different venues. And I was so filled with inspiration. After you discovered that you could play guitar, you could sing, when did you start sharing your talents with the world? How long did that process take? I think it was about a year after I started. So I started with guitar, and then Rebecca was like, do you want to try singing? And I was like, sure. And then she was like, do you want to try songwriting? And I was like, yes. That was especially something that filled me up. But yeah, I think I was about 12 when someone told me about the open mic at Cafe Arpeggio that Art Tebbits was running in New Bedford. And I remember I went and I was all dressed up. I was trying to be like Haley Williams from Paramore and like had heavy eye makeup on and like these punk clothes on. And I was like, hey, like literally whispering to Art, like, hey, is it okay if I play? And then I actually don't think I played the first time. I think I ended up just watching because I got too nervous. But then the second week I came back and I played and I played there like every Thursday for my whole childhood. That is Molly O'Leary being joined by John Fernandez on the WATD Tiny Stage. Let's continue with your music. What are we listening to next? We're going to hear Marigold, which is the title track off the album. All right, let's hear it. Molly O'Leary, John Fernandez on the WATD Tiny Stage. It's all yours whenever you're ready. Right 
Molly O'Leary on the WHD Tiny Stage with John Fernandez on guitar. Talk about that song. That song's in Dadgad. Yes, that one's in Dadgad. I went to see Liz Longley sometime last year or the year before, and she was talking about how she got Dadgad from Joni Mitchell and how Joni Mitchell said she got it from God. So I went home and I was like, oh my God, I need to write a song in Dadgad, and it kind of just poured out. That's the title track to the new album. Yes, that's the title track for the new album. And it's called Marigold. And Marigold Flowers are, you know, supposed to connect us to ones we've lost. And I wrote it for one of my best friends who has been going through a hard time with grief and loss to let her know I'll always be there for her. When you first discovered songwriting, when did you know it was time to go into the studio and start recording? Yeah, I wanted to do it earlier and... When I reflected on this recently, I think that when, you know, I was in high school, in college especially, I was having some of my own mental health struggles that I've talked about, I think, on here before in other places. Like, I was struggling with disordered eating and anxiety and PTSD stuff. And, like, I was still doing music, but not like I am now. And I think that those struggles were really preventing me from doing it more fully. And then after I finished college, I was able to get help and treatment and therapy, lots of therapy, and it helped so much. And then thanks to that healing, then I felt like I was really ready to dive into music more seriously and fully and recorded my first album in 2021. Talk about that first recording session. What was going through your mind when you first walked into the studio and started preparing for that collection of music, Holding Space? Well, John, as I've said, I have anxiety. So <laughs> so that was largely present. And um, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yep. But John Mayu. Wow, I've got lots of Johns in my life. I've got John Fernandes, <laughs> got yourself, John, which is funny because there's also lots of Wills in my life who was the second producer. But anyway, John Mayu was such a lovely, lovely human for me in that moment where I was having so much anxiety and he really grounded me and let me know it's okay if I mess up and we're going to make it work and have no fear. And I think that even though I was very anxious in that first session and in following sessions, like his reassurance let me know that it was possible. In that time when I recorded Holding Space, I was anxious. When John and I went to Nashville to record with Will Hogue, I was definitely nervous. And I think that I try to ground myself with bigger picture things or things I've read from other artists. Like when I went to Nashville, I was reading Broken Horses by Brandi Carlisle, which is her memoir. And she talks about, you know, her own struggles with anxiety and her statements about like how she just kept going and how she knew music was like this big thing that was bigger than her and that she like felt like this was her path. And so she just kept plugging away despite the anxiety. Things like that helped me keep going. That is Molly O'Leary being joined by John Fernandez on the WATD Tiny Stage this evening. We're up against our first break of the night. We have a lot more music to share, more stories to tell. Right here, Almost Famous, WATD brought to you by Tiny and Sons Glass. Back in just a few. And now, back to Almost Famous on 95.9 WATD. Welcome back to the Almost Famous Tiny Stage Hour, 95.9 WATD. I'm John Shea, introducing you to independent bands and musicians from across New England every Tuesday, brought to you by Tiny and Sons Glass. Make sure to follow along tonight, Facebook and Instagram at Almost 
Famous Radio, and follow the podcast. Find that by searching Almost Famous WATD on your favorite podcast app or at almostfamousradio.com. Tonight, being joined on the tiny stage by singer-songwriter Molly O'Leary. How you doing? Good, how are you? Doing great. Give yourself another introduction, if you would. Yes, again, my name is Molly O'Leary, here with John Fernandes on lead guitar for me, and we're both from New Bedford, Massachusetts. Fantastic. And your website, the socials, all that good stuff. Where can you be found? Yes, www.mollyolearymusic.com. And on social media, it's at Molly O'Leary Music. And the music that's out there currently, the music that is still to come. I know there's an album release show later on this month. There's an album release show on February 24th at Askew in Providence from 7 to 10, which I am most excited for. And any other shows before and after that you can find on my website. Fantastic. That sounds absolutely amazing. Let's continue with your music. What are we listening to next? I know. I'm trying to decide. I'm not good at making set lists. I always change my mind. I think I'm going to do a song I wrote for my mom next. It's called While We Still Can. And I always wanted to write a song for my mom. And then one time when I was on tour somewhere in the country, I I was telling her how she didn't have to go, you know, buy the plane ticket or come along. I could go by myself. And then she said how she wanted to go while she still can. And that line really struck me in the heart. And so I wrote this one for my mom. Let's hear it. Molly O'Leary and John Fernandez on the WATD Tiny Stage. Mama, I'll be fine I 
Molly O'Leary with John Fernandez on the WATD Tiny Stage. Elaborate more on that song. And what was your mom's reaction when you first played that song for her? My mom has definitely cried many times (laughs) over that song. And I am someone who cries often, but I think, you know, she will say often that she is not someone who cries a lot. So I knew her tears were real and that it meant a lot to her and... It's like sort of a sad song, but also supposed to be like happy in the sense of celebrating everything we've been through together. And there have been times when like I go to play it and I look at John and I'm like, just give me a sec. (laughs) I'm like tearing up. I think it's really a testament to... Is John tearing up too? (laughs) Oh yeah, always. (laughs) Well, John and I actually do bond on like we have songs that are about our parents and that mean a lot to us. So so maybe maybe we there have been some tears shed. But yeah, that one, like the first verse, you know, is reflecting on my childhood and my mom taking so much time to take me to lessons, to shows, to open mics. And then the second verse reflecting on that moment that inspired it where I was telling her she doesn't have to come to this show that was more current like last year. And her saying how, you know, she just really doesn't want to take time for granted and she wants to keep going to everything. That's amazing. Holding Space came out in 2021. It's now 2024. Why is now the time for a new album? I think that Holding Space was a lot about 
mental health in general, but also specifically like me recovering from my struggles with disordered eating. Like there's songs like Karen Carpenter on that and others that were reflecting on me, like going through therapy specifically for that, which was so important and needed. And then after that, I think I felt more like grounded and comfortable and safe in my body and my mind that then I also started to unpack other things like more related to PTSD and also like coming out on the other side of that and really celebrating like love and friendship and family. And so it felt like I was ready to talk about these stories now. How many songs did you have written going into this project and how many made the final cut? I think I probably had like 24 maybe in a Google Drive. And then there are 14 tracks. Two of them are, one's an intro, one's an instrumental interlude in the middle. So technically, I guess those are still super valid and important songs. But um, I guess 12 full songs and then additional two, so 14 total. Are they all relatively new or do some of them go back into your catalog a bit? They're all relatively new. The oldest is probably Marigold, the title track which I wrote, I think, shortly after Holding Space was released, again, after that Liz Longley show. It might have been two years ago now, but everything was largely new written between 2022 and 2023. So once you had the idea and the goal to make a new album, Marigold, how long did it take from idea to completion for everything to be done and ready to go? It felt like forever for us, yeah. for me and John. <laughs> I feel like John would text me like, did you hear anything about like the final cuts? And I was like, not yet. So patience was hard. But I guess like, yeah, I would have started writing. The Especially first. with anxiety, I'm sure was just like, like, come on, like, let's just make this happen. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. Yep. <laughs> that is absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, the the anxiety and self-doubt like in the moment it, when John and I were in Nashville recording we were like this is amazing we did so great which is true but then there were times after it where like my memory was like did I actually do okay did I sound all right I don't remember so yeah those doubts started creeping in but I guess to answer your question like Marigold the song was written somewhere in 2021 or 2022 and then we started to hear everything finally fully done somewhere in the middle of 2023. Yeah, so it was a couple years for the full thing to be finished. That's amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the whole thing. Thanks. <laughs> Give the album release show another plug, too. Yes, the album release show is on Saturday, February 24th at Askew in Providence with two openers, first one being Rowan and Beautifully Human, second is Justin Arena, and then me and John and the full band, which will include Rob Masood on Keys, Chris Mata, who I'm lucky enough to be married to on bass, and then Will Hall on drums, who also recorded the music video for Lionsgate, which we'll play in a little bit. Fantastic. Let's do more music. What are we listening to next, speaking of which? Yes. Up next is I Should Get Off My Phone, which is a hard one to explain because I think it's about many things and it changes all the time. But overall, it's in this part of the album in the middle where I wanted listeners to know like it's okay to have setbacks and that healing isn't linear. Let's hear it. We have Molly O'Leary and John Fernandez on the WHD Tiny Stage.
till my thumbs go numb from lack of blood. Molly O'Leary and John Fernandez setting fire to the almost famous tiny stage. 95.9 WHD. Great job on that. Thank you. <laughs> the album, Miragold, coming out at the end of February. That album really wouldn't be possible without the support of your fans. You crowdfunded a lot of this album. Talk about that process. Yes, I did a Kickstarter, which I had also done for Holding Space. You know, some people were like, do it again. Others were like, don't do it again. It was a hard decision to make. The risk of Kickstarter for folks who don't know is that if you don't hit your goal, then everything gets refunded and the dream doesn't happen, which is scary. For Holding Space, I think I crowdfunded 6000 I think. And then for this album, Marigold, I had to fundraise 20000 to get to Nashville, to have like the all-star cast of Nashville folks on there and everything. Making music is so expensive, so I didn't know how it was going to go, but 
everyone rallied for me and shared and we spread the word via songwriter in the round events and different shows and there are also a handful of folks who were so generous and you know I guess felt like they had the means to donate like very significant amounts of money and I am someone who does not have a lot of money and as a social worker slash musician so I'm really grateful always for that. I was just going to ask, what has the response been from your fans along that journey? They're the best. I think that we're so lucky to be in a community of musicians who really support and build community rather than competition. So most of my friends are musicians and, of course, music lovers. And so everyone has been really supportive and celebrating that the dream happened and it's about to come out. What advice would you give to an inspiring musician considering crowdfunding for their very first recordings. Yeah, a lot of people have actually reached out to me and asked me for advice about that. And I am by no means an expert, but I guess by trial and error, I've learned some things and never want to gatekeep that. So always want to share any information I know and that might be helpful. Of course, everyone's different and in different situations and stuff like that. But I try to offer what I do know. I think that the psychological factor for Kickstarter is that because people know there's the pressure that if you don't meet the goal by a certain date, which is within usually like two to eight weeks, depending on how you format it, then I think people like feel that pressure and really want to help. So that's the pro of it. But I also get how like some people might not be in a place where they want to take that risk, which is completely understandable. So I know lots of friends who have crowdfunded through things like GoFundMe or other types of sources or sites like that. And it's also worked out wonderfully. So I think both are great options. That is Molly O'Leary with John Fernandez here on the WATD Tiny Stage. We have two more songs left. So what are we um, doing for the, the second to last song tonight? We're going to do a song called Lionsgate that I almost cut from the album because I thought it was quote unquote too weird. And then thankfully the team really told me and encouraged me that it's one of the best songs. And so now I, I would learned, agree. Yeah. Now I've learned that weird is good. <laughs> Let's hear it. Molly O'Leary with John Fernandez on the tiny stage. Whenever you're ready, it's all yours. 95.9 WATD. Mm-hmm. 
That was creepy as hell. I loved it. <laughs> Thank you. Talk about that song. How did that one happen? I am not a bass player, or at least I wasn't. Maybe, maybe I am now. I don't know. <laughs> but my partner Chris plays bass and is so great at bass in a really cool punk rock Irish band called The Poor Men. And sometimes they have trio gigs that need to be acoustic. So long story short, I had got this uke bass for Chris, but then one day I was bored at home. So you stole it. Yeah, I stole it. I stole it. (laughs) (laughs) And I wrote it just as like a funny, fun thing for my friends because we always say how we're witches and we're magical. And so I remember I recorded it on GarageBand and sent it over to them and they were all excited and I was excited and I thought it would just be for us. But I think for fun, I threw it up in that Google Drive that had the producer Will Hogue in it and John Fernandes and a handful of other people. And I I remember Will texted me and was like, hey, I know there's like, you know, 20 or so songs in the Google Drive. Can you narrow it down to maybe 15 or something? And I sent him a list and he was like, why the heck is Lionsgate not on this list? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I thought it was too weird. And he was like, no, it needs to be on the list. And really, besides for that, Will let me make any calls I wanted, but that was one thing that he was like, no, my foot is down and the song is on the album. And it was the first single. (laughs) And it was the first single. We made a music video that Will Hall directed and I had never done a music video before and I got my whole crew of friends that I had mentioned that the song's for and we made a really witchy, creepy music video. Fantastic. (laughs) It was great. On your website, in part of your bio, it says that you use songwriting as a form of activism to raise awareness about mental health and social justice. You mentioned mental health a number of times throughout the night, but elaborate on that passage. Yeah, I think that, you know, I went to college, undergrad and grad school for social work, and social justice has always been at the forefront of my mind and something I'm passionate about and always want to learn, unlearn and learn things about. And when... I realized that music can be a tool for activism. Everything really clicked and fell into place. Also, something that's kind of come to the forefront over the last couple of years, and it's unfortunately been kind of turned into like a political weapon in a way, but that is the importance of people's identity and even the uh, the use of pronouns. And I know you're kind of uh, an expert, I might even say, in, in that field. And if you could elaborate, you know, for somebody who might not understand those concepts of identity and pronouns, could you maybe explain that in the time that we have? Yeah, you know, I, I quit my job in June, which was a great decision for me. And I ended up doing private practice for a number of reasons. So, you know, that I can do music more, but also because I love individual work with folks and when I put in my bio how like I'm a queer therapist and non-binary and use they them pronouns, which is still something I'm learning about myself and coming to terms with about how to talk publicly, but thankfully feel very safe and comfortable here with you. So thanks for creating that space. So when I did that, I had like a flood of folks requesting therapy from me because there are not enough queer therapists and not enough people talking about the importance of pronouns and how it is so important for folks in their identity and their mental health. And like you said, it has unfortunately become political where really it's identity for people. And it means so much to be like gendered correctly. And for me, like folks can make mistakes and that's no problem for me. It's more when someone will do it like in an angry way or to make fun of or with that kind of emotional thing that feels tense and hostile where if people don't know, that's totally cool and I'm open to talking about it and I'm open to helping them learn and I'm open to learning myself. And so, yeah, in a little bit of a nutshell, that's my reflections on it. 
If somebody does, which I will admit I have done before with people, is address them with the wrong pronoun. Like I might say, you know, Molly O'Leary, you know, she's a great songwriter, for example. (laughs) How do you correct people in a polite way, but also getting your message across? Yeah, everyone's different. Like I have clients I work with who would verbally correct in the moment, others who might not yet or ever, because maybe they don't want to it's really hard to like risk the vulnerability and energy and resiliency to out yourself when maybe you don't want to in certain settings or with certain people so it's always different but I think that for me I'm learning that there are certain people especially like in the music world as an example that I want to start sharing that with and who I trust Um, like yourself of course is a great example of that And if people mess up along the way, like even if you made a mistake and misgendered me in this interview right now, like that would be okay with me because I know you're trying and maybe verbally on air, maybe I would find a window to be like, hey, John, just as a reminder. And if I couldn't find a window, then we could chat about it after. But there's no rule book. I'm figuring it out as I go as well. And that's what I've figured out so far. And I think a lot of people are. And there's moments like this that I hope will, you know, maybe slightly, you know, change the future Mm -hmm. of, you know, people's acceptance in a way. Yeah, I would love that. And I think that music is so powerful. Like if I personally did not have music, I think it would be harder for me to talk about. But for some reason with music, I was just talking to my therapist about this the other day. I feel like I get a superpower and I feel like I can talk about things that I wouldn't otherwise. So it's really fun to be able to talk about these things via music. That is Molly O'Leary. She's being joined by John Fernandez on the tiny stage. We have one more song left. We're going to talk more about the upcoming album and release show as well. So stick around till most famous 95.9 WATD. And now back to almost famous on 95.9 WATD. For the final time tonight, welcome back to the almost famous tiny stage, 95.9 WATD. I'm John Shea. Make sure to give me a follow tonight on Facebook and Instagram at Almost Famous Radio. Subscribe to the podcast. Find that by searching Almost Famous WATD on your favorite podcast app. Head over to almostfamousradio.com and I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Almost Famous Radio. Being joined tonight on the tiny stage one final time by Molly O'Leary and John Fernandez. How are you guys doing? We're good, yeah. <laughs> One final time, Molly, give yourself an introduction. Yes, my name's Molly O'Leary, here with my lead guitarist, John Fernandes. We're both from New Bedford, Massachusetts. Fantastic. And John, give yourself an introduction. My name's John Fernandes, from New Bedford, Massachusetts as well, and I'm a guitar player. Fantastic. Yeah. Molly, you have an album coming out at the end of the month. You uh, have a new single that just dropped. So uh, give us the details on uh, what's already out there with your, your debut album and uh, the new singles from this current album and then the, uh, the official release of this album later on in the month. We have released three singles for Lionsgate, Marigold, and Ticking of a Clock. Also, there was a music video out for Lionsgate that you can find on YouTube. And there's one last single called Echo that came out last week. Fantastic, and I hear that's going to be the last song that we hear. But before we hear it, give us all the information on the big album release show, your your opening guests, your full band, all that good stuff. Yes, so it will be on Saturday, February 24th at Askew in Providence from 7 to 10. 
You can buy tickets online ahead of time, which I highly suggest. There might be some at the door, but I would suggest buying it online ahead of time. And the two openers, the first one is Rowan and Beautifully Human. The second is Justin Arena. And then after that, I'll be taking the stage with the full band, which will include John Fernandes on lead guitar, Chris Mata on bass, Rob Massoud on keys, and Will Hall on drums. Great. We have time for one more song. It's going to be the new single... Before we hear it, talk about it. Yes, it's called Echo, and I wrote it for my big brothers. So my brother Tom and my brother Ted. I'm the baby of the family, so that means I always need the attention on me, <laughs> which is sort of a joke, but sort of true. But on a more serious note, this song is me as an adult trying to thank my brothers for everything and let them know how much I love them and that I still need them in my life, even as an adult. Fantastic. Molly and John, thank you so much for making this happen tonight. Best of luck with everything in the future, and we'll catch you soon. Thank you, John, so much. 95.9 WATD, one final time on the tiny stage, Molly O'Leary. Please keep holding my hand as we journey 